So what are some of the ingredients that can lead to a major scandal in the church today? How do Christian leaders fall into sin? Well, I'm going to talk about four common ingredients that we see in some of the bigger scandals that have hit the evangelical church over the last decade or so. And I think as I look at these four ingredients, number four may come as a surprise, and number four is something that could be common to a lot of us today. And we've seen a number of scandals, and most recently I covered a scandal with Ravi Zacharias and the investigation going on into his life. Made a number of videos on that, got a lot of views and got a lot of comments, and so I think it's extremely important for at least two reasons to understand what are some of the common ingredients that we see in these scandals. First, it's important for our own lives, for us to look in the mirror and say, do I see some of these things in my life? In fact, many will fall into sin, it's just that we wouldn't necessarily hear about it. When, when it happens to a major Christian leader, that's something that makes it all over the news and we tend to hear about it. But all of us are going to be drawn away. All of us are going to be tempted to compromise. Proverbs 27:12 says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Secondly, we also need to know what warning signs do we need to look out for for those who are leaders in our congregation, those who are leaders in our church. Those of us who are under their leadership need to know, are there things that we need to watch out for so we can help and prevent them from also falling into temptation like this? Well, this is Jason for Soulfire here on this channel. We want to offer gospel hope for a porn-filled world and remind you that living in sexual integrity is possible. You know, one of these the things that these scandals show us is that it's not easy, but it is definitely possible. All right, so let's jump right in. Let's look at our four major ingredients that I see in a lot of the scandals that have happened over the last few decades. The first one is this idea of Christian celebrity. Now, if you traveled back 100 years or so, it really would be very difficult for somebody to become a worldwide Christian celebrity, or at least it couldn't happen as quickly as it happens today. This is certainly not a new phenomenon. Even in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul admonishes the church for kind of choosing their celebrity apostle. He says, some of you are saying, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas. And really, they're kind of choosing their apostle celebrity even at that time. So this is not a new phenomenon, but the worldwide aspect of it certainly is. Technology has opened the door for Christian celebrity at a global scale and at an incredibly quick pace. And I can speak just for America. I, li I live in America, and I'd say that as Americans, we look to celebrity pastors, celebrity ministers, and teachers. Often it's easy for us to kind of put them on a pedestal and just kind of believe this public image and this public persona that they have shown us. So, for example, in 1997, Joshua Harris wrote his first book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. He was 21 years of age, and he immediately was launched to Christian celebrity and Christian stardom. And it kind of made Josh the focal point of the evangelical purity culture at just 21 years old. The book went on to sell a gajillion copies. Uh, I remember I read it when I was uh, in high school. But in that time leading up to it, Josh has continued to be a Christian celebrity. But since that, he's left his marriage. He's left the faith. He renounced a lot of the writing that took place, that, that he took part in. And I don't know all the ins and outs of what led to that, but I do know to put a 21-year-old on a pedestal. I'm sure if I had written a book when I was 21 years old, I'd probably be renouncing a lot of that too right now. Ravi Zacharias, the most recent scandal when I'm making this video, had, had achieved worldwide fame unsurpassed by perhaps anyone else. His ministry from radio to podcast to YouTube had led him to minister to millions. Millions of people listened to his message. Millions of people were invested in RZIM in the ministry. In fact, I got to see the fanboys firsthand. There was an event here at Clemson University that I got to take part of. And people came from states all over the place that they came in and they, some of the people that were asking questions were, they were really just fawning over him and saying, oh, Ravi, I read all your books. And you could just see the stardom. And this goes back 10 years ago 
the stardom and the Christian fame that he had achieved. But one of the things that that made me think about was Ravi could not go into a church anywhere in America without immediately being the biggest deal in the church. And just imagine what that would do to you, that people are fawning all over you year after year, and all of a sudden there's this lure and there's this draw toward power and celebrity and fame, and, and you can see that you have a sense of power over each other. And if that goes unchecked without some serious accountability, this is a primary ingredient for a major Christian scandal. These Christian celebrities are able to craft a stage presence, and a lot of us can fall into the lie of just believing that that's all that there is to it and realize there's also a private person that we have no admission and we have no knowledge of. And if we buy the stage presence, it could be easy for us or those around them to ignore some warning signs, be unwilling to ask the difficult questions. For the example of Robbie Zacharias, he was investing in spas 15 to 20 years ago, and somehow that was not questioned. And this Christian celebrity can really get too big for accountability and not having people speak into their life. If, if you're going to be put in a, a place of fame and prominence where the opportunity to fall is greater and the impact on the church is greater, you're really going to need some like-minded men and women in your life who have full access or are able to ask you difficult questions. They, they go with you when you travel. They have access to your electronic devices. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So number one is Christian celebrity, which I also think leads into number two, which is compromise and hidden sin. Now, all of us are led to compromise our, our convictions. And I would say all of us, by default, we tend toward sin and we tend toward compromise. It's the natural flow of our lives. This is why Colossians 3.5 tells us that we are to put to death what is earthly in us, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. Because those things are alive. That's the natural bent that we're going to flow if we don't work by the power of the Spirit, by God and His Word, to put those things to death. Well, imagine if one confession could cause you to lose everything. Your job, your income, your family. Would you bring it into the light or would you hold it in? Would you harbor that secret sin? You see, ministers, especially celebrity ministers, have a lot to lose if they go public with a confession, if they bring some people into their life, especially pastors can often struggle with this. Many times they're motivated to hide their sin because they sense they're in a one strike and you're out scenario. Let me give you an example. Let's say a construction worker struggles with pornography. He comes to his church, he tells his pastor, he tells his accountability group he's struggling with pornography. What happens to his job and income? Well, most likely nothing. He can go right back to work. But what about a pastor? A pastor falls into sexual sin or maybe even just begins to move down that route, maybe some inappropriate texting or something like that. If they confess that, there's a pretty good chance they could lose their job immediately, lose their reputation. Now, they definitely still should confess if, if you fall into sin regardless of where you're at. But at the same time, the onus is on us as a church to make sure that we're giving these people opportunities to confess their sins without immediately kicking them to the curb. We all feel the pressure to hide sin, but a Christian celebrity would have even more to lose, even more opportunity to desire to compromise and to desire to have hidden sin. All the big conferences, all the book sales, all of these things they could lose if they have an admission of what they're engaged in. And it makes me wonder, with a situation like Ravi Zacharias, what's the first compromise? Was it a digital compromise, something like pornographic material? Was it an emotional affair with somebody? You know, we really don't know where it starts, but at some point there's a compromise that begins to grow, it remains hidden, and it gets bigger and bigger. Which leads us to number three, which is lies and manipulation. 
With this Ravi Zacharias investigation that has come out, a lot of the comments geared toward, I refuse to believe it, I definitely don't believe it. And I think one of the reasons that it's very difficult to believe that someone with a stage presence like Ravi could be engaged in some of the things that he was engaged in behind the scenes is because we really haven't ever encountered somebody who can do such a good job of lying and manipulating. Well, Ted Roberts, who founded Pure Desire Ministries and who works with addicts primarily, is fond of saying addicts lie. Now, if you've never been an addict and you've never worked with addicts, maybe you've never seen somebody who can lie so bluntly and lie so consistently. I have been an addict and I've also worked a lot with addicts. And so I know as a former addict, how much you can want to have whatever your addiction of choice. In my case, it was pornography. It can be easy to lie and to compromise as you try to pursue that addiction. The worse the addiction grows, the more the addict is motivated to lie and manipulate to get what they desire. And I also wonder this, have you ever met a chronic liar? Have you ever met a chronic manipulator? You know, as I think of my life, I have met at least three. I probably met more, I just couldn't see through it. At least three that I'm aware of. And when you meet somebody like that, and you see that they've built such a web of lies, they're so consistently lying. Lying really becomes kind of their default setting, kind of their native language. And as you study the Rami Zacharias situation, what I interpret from that is that he was a liar and a master manipulator. He had manipulated those around him so much so that they were unable to question what they saw as perhaps some shady behavior. You know, psychologists use the term gaslighting, and here's a quote recently explaining it from NBC News. Gaslighting refers to a specific type of manipulation where the manipulator is trying to get someone else or a group of people to question their own reality, memory, or perceptions. So gaslighting has been in the news a lot the last few years as people try to explain away what the rest of us are clearly seeing with our eyes. This is the work of a master manipulator. They begin to explain away. They dupe you with the lies and you begin to believe them and not what you thought you were clearly seeing. This is one of the ingredients for a scandal. And you see a Christian leader who is really good at lying and manipulating can begin to hide their behavior. If they've got that hidden sin and that hidden compromise, they can lie to cover it up. It can grow and grow and grow until eventually the bubble bursts and all is exposed. But that leads me to my number four ingredient. And I think this one may surprise you, but as I study a lot of these big scandals in the evangelical church, this is something that is very common and that is travel lots of travel opportunities. Celebrity, cr Christian leadership, you get invited to the big conferences, you're speaking all around the world, you've got book tours, you have all these things that you're engaged in and it gives you opportunity to be away from home, to be in hotels, to be traveling around. And why is travel a particularly tempting scenario? Well, I lead uh, sexual integrity groups and I've had many in the church, some older men who are in businesses and some other career fields where they'll say that times of travel are the greatest temptations in their life. Well, why is that? Travel provides you anonymity. You go to a place where nobody knows you. If you're in a hotel and you don't know anybody in that hotel, it can be easy to go to the hotel bar, drink way too much, and nobody cares. People at your church won't find out, people at your work won't find out, your family aren't gonna find out. You have this anonymity when you travel. You're out of your normal accountability structure. Maybe you have a group that you meet with at your church. Maybe you've got family members that normally they're just in the home and that provides you some accountability, but when you travel, all those things are gone. I've got a men's group that I meet with weekly here at my church. But when I'm out of town, I'm not going to be able to see those guys. They're not going to be able to ask me questions. Also, travel gives you that isolation. When we are alone, these tend to be the most tempting times. So for example, if you read the investigation into Robbie Zacharias, he was frequently in hotels. And one of the things that he was actually doing was 
giving his hotel key and his hotel number to women in hotel lobbies. He would hand them a book with the key in there so that they could come see him in his room. I'm guessing that is not something he would have done at home where his, with his family there and with the structures that he had implemented at home. Also, when we travel, we get out of our normal routine. If you take business trips, one of the things you probably struggle with is you tend not to eat well, you tend not to rest well, you're not getting your exercise because you're totally out of structure and out of routine. Travel gives us the opportunity for greater temptation and sin. Okay, so those are my four ingredients. Let's try to make this personal and ask yourself the question, and I'll do the same. Let's look in the mirror and see if we see these four ingredients that lead to major scandal in our lives. And the reality is that sexual sin will have a devastating impact, not just on you, your local ministry and church, but also even on the next generation. Well, this is Jason for Soulfire here on this channel. We want to offer gospel hope for a porn-filled world. Subscribe if you want to see more content like this, and I'll catch you in the next one.